a culture of prayer? What does it mean to be those who have a culture of prayer? When we, we know something's a culture, when it's something that we don't even think about, it's just what we do. It's our natural responses and it's, it's who we are. That actually as we live our lives, so often we have to look back and, and consider our lives and think, well, that's my culture, that's my family culture, because that's just who we are. That's how we live. And so as we look at this, I want to look at some elements of prayer, but then also how we can make it more of just who we are and, uh, as a people. And uh, we want to start with what we believe about prayer, because actually what we believe is where we need to start and then have a look at it and then make the adjustments we need to so that it becomes a lifestyle for us. And unfortunately, I think in a general sense, Prayer, like last week, where we looked at, like when I mentioned finance, prayer is often something that we know we should pray, we know we need to pray, but sometimes the the disciplines of prayer are kind of put on the back burner or forgotten under a, a warped and wrong interpretation and outworking of what it means to live by grace. We look and we think, well, we know we need to pray, but if we look at patterns of scripture of prayer, which we're going to look at some, we think, well, they pray three times a day, they pray to this time and that time, and it's like, well, we're under grace, we don't have to do that. That's a misunderstanding of that. So we need to look at what biblical prayer is, because actually, there are a number of different forms that prayer takes. Now, I'm not doing a whole preach on prayer, it's more of how do we take this and say we believe in this, and how do we make it become a culture to us, or something that we respond to? Simplest form, prayer is talking to God. That's the simplest form. Prayer is talking to God like you would a friend, like you would someone that you know, like someone that you respect. Prayer is also, uh, in some respects, is a way of petitioning on behalf of someone else, going to God and asking God to move or do or do something on behalf of someone else. Often prayer is about needs or decisions that we need to make or, or declarations of our faith or declarations of how much we love Him or what we see from Him. Sometimes it's asking, asking for wisdom, asking for answers, asking for direction, all of those things kind of fall into the, the, the overall category of prayer. Sometimes we can look at prayer and, and prayer is actually warfare. We do spiritual warfare through prayer, advancing those things in the kingdom. So our understanding of prayer and, and, and the need for prayer, but the, the expression of prayer is very varied. But what prayer is not? Prayer is not just talking or talking to yourself. Sometimes it can feel like that, if we're honest. It's like, well, I'm just, I'm praying, but it feels like I'm just talking. I'm just talking to myself, and it's not that. It's a spiritual thing, and prayer is focused on God. Our prayer is to someone, not something, not just talking, not wishful thinking, but it's based on who we're praying to. So often we can be concerned about are we praying right? Are we using the right words? And we focus more on our prayer than we do on the person that we're praying to. And prayer is, focused, is our focus 
de- declaration calling out to asking God, Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. Sometimes I think we can pray and we think, well, I'm going to pray, but that's just wishful thinking. That means that we've missed the person we're praying to and the actual power of our prayer. Because prayer has got a lot to do with faith. And our faith as well isn't in ourselves, isn't in our words, but is in the person of God. And so he has made a way that we can come to him and pray. And we know that God answers because he says he answers prayer. And we can give testimony to prayers that have been answered. So prayer isn't just wishful thinking or speaking to yourself or just talking. It's talking to the living God. It's talking to the one and only true God, the God of the Bible, who listens, who hears, who responds, and for whom nothing is impossible. Often when we preach on prayer and how we to pray and how much we pray, we, we often preachers only focus on Jesus, which is a good thing. Please don't hear me saying that we mustn't focus on Jesus. We need to. He is our perfect example of what prayer is. But there's something more than... Again, just hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. There's something more than just focusing on Jesus. Because often we see that and we think, well, he was the son of God. He was perfect. We know that. He had to be to die on the cross and pray for our sin. How can I match up to that? Well, we need to aim to that. Because he's the one that we follow. But there are also other examples in scripture of people who prayed. We have the Old Testament examples. We have the New Testament examples. And, and we need to look at those things and those people and see what can we learn from them. But because Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. We read how he, you know what people call the Lord's Prayer? It's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's the Lord teaching us how to pray. We see the Lord's Prayer is different when he prayed for us. That's, if you're going to say that, that way. So what we all know is the Lord's Prayer is actually just a, a, a model and of how we to pray. That Jesus taught his disciples when they asked. Then we also see later on in Scripture in John where, where Jesus actually prays. He prays for his disciples and he prays for all disciples. That includes you and I. And where is Jesus at the moment? Uh, we know he's in our hearts if we're saved by the, by the Holy Spirit. But scripture teaches us that Jesus is at, at this moment, the risen Lord, is at the right hand of the Father in heaven, doing what? Interceding. In other words, praying for you and I. If you just stop for a moment, the incredible, amazing work of the cross... Where Jesus came, he, he lived his life, died on the cross and paid for our sin, was once and for all. It happened. And if that didn't happen, we wouldn't be sitting here. If that didn't happen, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to come before God. And, and, and so that is the incredible gift of God's grace. But that happened. Jesus went through that. And now, constantly... 24 hours of every day, he is praying for you. Isn't that incredible? And the implications of that are even more 
astounding. The fact that whatever you face, God knows what you're facing. Jesus knows the answer. Whatever difficulty or challenge you're facing, every time you mess up, every temptation, everything that comes your way, you have one who is praying for you in that moment, every day, the right hand of the Father. And that person is Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect one. Who, are, who, who, who when we look at Jesus' prayers on earth, are were any not answered? The one who prayed and all his prayers were answered is the one who's praying for you right this moment in heaven to the Father. If we can grasp the enormity and the power of that fact, we will live differently. We will face situations differently. Because you're not facing it on your own. You've got the Holy Spirit with you, and you've got one who is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you day in and day out. That's what the Bible says Jesus is doing. Incredible. I don't know if you've ever considered that. But it certainly changes our whole perception of how we live our lives. But you see, prayer is an intrinsic part of who Jesus is. Constantly praying. Yet at the same time, he only does what the Father tells him to do. So he prays, hears, and does. In the Old Testament, we have so many examples. We have examples of Abraham and David and Moses and Daniel, who we know for, uh, pray three times a day. And, and there's so you could just go on and on. Ezra, Nehemiah, all the prophets, pretty much any person in the Old Testament who is a man of God who's put, portrayed for us to, to follow is, it was someone of prayer. Then you have the New Testament where we have Jesus, we have the disciples, we have the apostles, and we have the church. In other words, all of us, all of them and, and, and all of us. And so what's clear is that we as believers need to pray and, and, and we should pray a heck of a lot more than we do because our prayer shows that we rely on God. You see, in my understanding and of prayer is this, is that when I pray... I'm declaring that I trust God and my faith is in him and that I can do nothing. That God, I need you to come and move because I can't do it. God, I need you to provide because I can't do it. I need you to protect because I can't do it. I need you to save these people because I can't do it. But too often, I think we don't even think of praying and we try and do it ourselves. You see, prayer is a reliance on God and our faith in him because it's directed to him. And when you read the New Testament and almost every single letter in the New Testament that was written to different churches and different groups, they generally start with, in that first chapter, things that they were praying about for those people. So as Paul writes, he writes and he speaks about how he's praying for them. He's earnestly praying for them ever since the day he met them. He's praying for them since the day he heard from them, heard about them. He's praying for them. So we see that example of praying, praying, praying. Also in most of those letters, there's also a request that those people who are receiving the letter would pray for him. Would pray that his ministry would increase, that the the gospel would be preached with more fervor and, and, and go beyond the regions. 
We see in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Philippians chapter 4, verse 67 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving, offer prayers of requests before God, and that the peace of God that transcends all our understanding would guard our hearts and our minds. Colossians chapter 4 says that we are to, to devote ourselves to prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says that we are to be joyful and pray continually. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 says, Be clear-minded, self-controlled, that you can pray. 1 John 5 says the prayer of, it speaks about the prayer of confession and the prayer of repentance. Jude, chapter, uh, Jude 14 says that we are to pray in the Holy Spirit. In Acts, we see that at the beginning of Acts, that they were together in, 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 in Jerusalem praying and worshiping God, and the Holy Spirit came on them. Then we read that, that they devoted themselves to prayer, to apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread, and all those things, but they devoted themselves to prayer. We see that where um, Peter and John healed the, the, the cripple, what were they doing? They were on their way to the temple at the time of prayer. We see that when Peter and John were in prison, the church prayed, and they were released. And then, or, or, sorry, the, the, the church prayed, and, and there was great boldness for them. When they were imprisoned again, the, the, the church gathered together and prayed, and, the, and the, Peter was released. We see that they prayed commissioning and healing and um, protection. The, 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 they prayed prayers in times of trouble. They prayed prayers in, in, in times of great joy. When, when there was uh, guys in prison, when, people, when Paul was on the ship about to be shipwrecked, what did he do? He broke bread and he prayed. You see, we can't get away from this fact that as believers in Scripture, we see from the beginning to the end that people pray. It's part of who we are as followers of Jesus. That we pray because it's a reliance on him and a, a praying for him. And they prayed individually. They prayed corporately. They petitioned. They confessed. They repented. They, they prayed for open doors. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for courage. They prayed for healing. They prayed for the dead to be raised. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed, they prayed. You're getting the picture. And it's not so much about, am I, am I worried I'm praying the right way? Or do I pray to the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit? Who do I pray? Who do I address? We, we complicate things so much. We just pray to God. God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one. They're not going to be offended if we pray more to Jesus than we do to the Father. We just pray. Why? Because we rely on him and we need to live in that place of prayer. The Psalms are full of prayers. And the incredible thing is this. We're praying to God, all-powerful, knows everything, ever-present. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the answer. He knows the outcome. He can do anything. And yet, he's chosen to work through our prayer. That actually there are some things will only be done when we pray. You see, even Jesus gives us a good insight into this understanding and, and, and the balance of that. Because Jesus knew that Peter was going to betray him. He told him. And yet Jesus prayed for Peter. Peter. 
Jesus knew that none that the Father gave him would be lost. And yet he prays that we would remain faithful. You see, even though God knows the beginning and the end, he still invites us to participate with him and have that we have the privilege of seeing change. We have the privilege of engaging and working with God to bring things about. That's through prayer. And that's what he invites us into. If you look in James chapter 5, verse 13, from verse 13 it says this, If any of you is in trouble, he should pray. If anyone's happy, let him sing songs of praise. If anyone is sick, should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If you have sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. And listen to this. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You and I are those people because we are covered in his righteousness. And when we come before the Father, we don't come in our own righteousness, we come in the righteousness of Jesus. Therefore, that passage in James chapter 5, verse 16, is speaking of you and I because we are covered in his righteousness. And we know because we looked at it the other week, but also we know that the Bible is true. What God says is true. And so God says this, your prayers as a child of his, covered in the righteousness of Jesus, is powerful and effective. Yet how often do we doubt? How often do we think, oh, why do we even pray for that? Because God moves when we pray. And it's not our righteousness that makes it effective. It's not us. There's nothing about us. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. But it's about us in obedience, stepping into and declaring and petitioning and asking and requesting and seeing that God would come and declaring. See, God says that we are to pray. He invites us to pray. He moves when we pray. And he, he invites us to be involved in the privilege of changing things in this world through prayer where he moves on our behalf. And James does say that there's some things that we don't get when we pray because we pray with the wrong motive. So you pray and you ask, but you don't get because you pray with the wrong motive that you would spend everything on your own or, or your selfishness and everything else that speaks about humility. So we come before God with humility, knowing that there's nothing we can do, but there's everything he can do. And he is powerful and effective and can do anything because nothing is too big for God. We were, at, uh, we were here last week praying and, um, at the prayer meeting, and one of the areas we were praying about was a situation in Ukraine. And I was just uh, challenged while we were praying, because we were praying for all sorts of things around that, and we were praying for Russia, and I was just challenged, and I did pray this, and so I was just challenged to pray for Putin's salvation. And while I was praying, I was thinking, you know how when you talk and you say something and you're still thinking at the same time, I'm thinking, is that impossible? It's like, no, it's not impossible. Is it a ridiculous prayer to pray? Well, it seems it. But nothing is impossible for God. And no person is beyond God's reach for salvation. Will he get saved? I don't know. But if I can pray, for me, that's a solution to the whole issue. 
So why don't we? Why don't we actually stir our hearts and believe what the word says? A few weeks ago we looked at the whole thing of being a people of truth who, who read the word, know the word, believe the word. Do you believe what the word says about prayer? Do you believe what the word says about your effectiveness of prayer? Prayer offered in faith. But it's not, it's not our faith, it's, not what, it's our faith in God. Everything is about Him. So the big question is then, how should we pray? Why do we find it hard to pray? And how do we make it into a lifestyle of prayer? Probably the biggest questions around prayer for any of us. How do we pray? Well, we see that there's a pattern that Jesus gives. It's a pattern. It's not the only one because there's so many other times where Jesus prays and it isn't around that pattern. But the key of that pattern of prayer that he gives us in Matthew chapter 6 is that it starts focused on the Father. It starts focused on God. And that's where our prayer must always start. Focused on him. Scripture also tells us to pray with humility. Not with pride, but with humility. Not hypocritically. Scripture in Matthew and other places also speaks about us praying in private, in secret. For what the Father hears in secret, he will do. And then there are other times where they pray very, very publicly. So it's more about our heart issue and motive, but also it's just the thing of just going pray. The times that they prayed together around specific things, like when Peter was in prison or there was persecution or something was, they were praying specifically together, praying for that. So then what, how do we do that? We just use the words you normally speak. You see, sometimes I think we, over the history, that people have used different words that they wouldn't normally speak of or, or, or use in their everyday language, but put on a different vocabulary and voice when they pray. And it's like, well, that's just weird. You talk to God like you talk to your friends. And he is our friend, but remember, he's also God, so it's with respect. But we use the words we normally use. And when we don't know how to pray, we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. Because the Holy Spirit, it says, the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray. When we don't know how to pray. And then the other is that they're examples in scripture of prayers. They're prayers all the way through scripture where the, the examples of how people prayed in specific situations. And but, but please take those as examples to teach us how to pray, not as a formula for prayer. But you can certainly see and learn from those things as you dig into scripture. And you can see that in Matthew chapter 18 and Acts chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 12 and on and on, they, they prayed together. Then there's also Jesus in Matthew chapter 14, Mark 6, Luke 6, and time and time again where he withdrew and prayed on his own. They prayed privately. So it's not one or the other, but it's both praying together, corporately, as a church, praying together with others, whether it be one or two other people. And Scripture says where two come together in agreement, there's power in that. And praying on your own. If you only ever pray with other people and never on your own, there's an imbalance. If you only ever pray on your own and never with others, there's an imbalance. In Scripture, we see both. And that's how it becomes a lifestyle. But prayer is also this. 
Prayer is active. What do I mean by that? It means that we actually pray with purpose. Let me, the best way to describe it is what it's not. Prayer is not an excuse for inactivity. Oh, I'm going to pray about it. Well, I'll pray and I won't do anything. I'll just wait for God to move. And I've often said, we need to step out in faith and God direct us as we're walking. Prayer also isn't a a spiritual cop-out for procrastination. Or a cop-out of avoidance. You know when someone asks you if you would get involved with something? And you think, no, I don't want to get involved in that. But we think, well, can't say that, that's rude. So we say, I'll pray about it. Now, there are times where we genuinely have to say, I will pray about it. And then you better go and pray about it. And if God tells you to do what you don't want to do, you do it. Because actually, everything about prayer to God is hearing him and obeying. Actually, when you do a study in the Hebrew word for for hearing God, it entails both those things. You hear him, you listen, you hear, and you obey. You can't, in, in, in Hebrew understanding, you can't separate hearing and obedience. If you hear from God, you will obey whatever he says. So prayer isn't a, a spiritual cop-out for avoiding something or procrastinating or, or even indecision. It's like, well, I'm not going to move. So here, there are occasions where you've moved and God said, Stay. And it's like, I'm not going to step forward until you tell me, God. And sometimes we can use prayer as an excuse to not make any decision. We have to say, I believe there comes a point where we have to say, God, I think this is what you're saying. And in faith, I'm moving forward. Show me if I'm going in the right direction. And he will steer us. Often when we think that we're not hearing God... It's because we're asking for something and we haven't fulfilled what he's already told us. He hasn't changed his mind from the last time. It's like, if this is where I am, because we've often prayed, God, what do you want for us the next season? Where, where should we be? Should we move? Should we, do, do we hand over the church? Do we leave? Do we go to another nation? It's like, God hasn't said anything. Well, then I'm asking the wrong question. Because he clearly told us to come here and we are leading. And so I'm going to do that till he tells me otherwise. So instead of me saying, well, I'm, I'm just not going to lead, I'm not going to do because I'm praying about it. I mean, it's like, what help is that for anybody? Mm-hmm. Including myself. You see, sometimes we're, what we're asking God is the wrong question because we're asking for our own motives rather than actually, God, it's not about me, it's about you. Not my will, but your will. God, you show me. And God... God's silence is actually because he's already told you. So just carry on. But prayer is active. It goes hand in hand with faith. And we know faith is active. It's not a passive thing. It's a a cooperation, a laboring with God. 
Scripture speaks in Isaiah 62 about watchmen on walls. Now, watchmen on walls, in, uh, they stand guard so that, if, so that they can see if the enemy comes. They can raise the alarm. They know what's going on. So they, and so the equivalent is people praying, praying for, for your, if, you, if you're a father, if you're a, 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 for me as a dad at the head of our home, I have a role as like a watchman looking out for my children, my family. What's coming up? What do I need to pray? And so if you have that picture in Scripture of a watchman on the walls, those are like the guards that stood on the walls around the city of Jerusalem. So they looked out for the enemy's attack while everybody else was sleeping and resting so that they could rest and live in peace. You see, that watchman on the wall was, is an active, it's not like a... a I've been on guard duty and it's quite hard to stay awake. But uh, it's not someone who nods off on guard duty and just sleeps. It's someone who actively has to look and see it. Is the movement, is it just the wind, is it an animal, is it the enemy? And so it's the exact same thing in the spiritual realm. It is proactive. It's an active thing. Prayer is an active thing. As a watchman, is an active thing. So why do we find it hard to have a lifestyle of prayer? Why don't we see prayer in our lives or corporately but also individually like we see in the word? I think there are a number of reasons. And there are probably a load more than than I'm going to say. The first one I think is because it's hard work. We, We have got this weird idea that prayer should be easy all the time. But actually it's hard work. It takes discipline. It, it, it takes effort. Sometimes it's because we, we're too busy. We're too busy with other things that are in front of us that have got our attention that, that we seem to be too busy to pray. Actually, if we prayed more, we'd probably find we do more. Sometimes I, I don't think we even think of it because we're too busy worrying. So busy worrying about a situation, we forget to pray about the situation. Actually, worry doesn't change anything. Prayer changes things. Why do you think God says, don't be anxious about anything, but offer prayers and requests before him? Why? Because being anxious doesn't change anything. Jesus teaches us that. How many of you, by by, by worrying, can change a, a single hour of your life? In actual fact, you could probably say that worrying medically probably robs you of an hour of your life. With everything else that anxiety and fear and that create in our bodies and stress. Stressing, worrying, panicking doesn't create solutions, doesn't change anything. Prayer does. But too often we're worrying and not praying. That's why I think we don't pray hard enough. Or find or sorry, that's why I think we find it hard is because we're too busy worrying rather than praying. Yeah, there's that um, Sometimes I think we don't like waiting for answers. And sometimes we, we're a bit afraid because we don't really want the answer that we think God's going to give. Because what we're really asking is God to validate what we want rather than tell us and we submit to what he wants. And so avoidance is the best way not to. It sounds a bit blunt and harsh, but I think actually if we look in the mirror, that's probably sometimes why we don't pray. Of why we find it hard to pray. And yet, as soon as crisis hits, what do people do? Pray. As soon as crisis hits, even the unbelievers pray. Even those who don't say, say there's no God, pray. 
because there's a crisis and suddenly their life is in danger and actually, maybe. Well, because God's made them all of us. So then how do we make it a lifestyle and a culture? And this is what we're going to end on this morning. I think a key is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, which we read earlier, which says this. Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. It's in the context of living for God in the context of that the end is near so we're closer to the end when Jesus is returning and he says be clear minded and self controlled so that you can pray and he goes on to speak of other things see that requires us to focus clear minded and self controlled means we focus on God clear minded in other words we're not worried about all those other things we're focusing on him Deuteronomy chapter 6 Verse four, four and five speaks. It's it's what um, it's it's known as the Shema, which is the prayer that that Jewish people pray every morning. Which is something long. Uh, uh, I'm probably going to misquote it badly, but it says, "Hear, Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In other words, your whole being." That's where they start every morning. As a declaration of who he is and therefore our response. And I think that's a good place to start. But many times we look through scripture and, we look, and that's what I said at the very beginning. Sometimes we, we look at those disciplines and we throw them out. We think actually that's then, we don't have to do that now. Yes, we don't have to do that in order to be saved. We don't have to do that in order to become uh, followers of Jesus. Yet actually there's some things that I think we do need to put in place. I think how we make it into a lifestyle is that we start by being focused on him, clear-minded and self-controlled, which requires discipline. In other words, in order for prayer to become a lifestyle, we start with disciplined choices to pray. Remember a few weeks ago I used the analogy of a swing? It takes a lot of energy to get the swing going, and once it gets going, you just tap it and it keeps the momentum. And that's kind of how things go from what we believe, the adjustments we make, so that they become part of our lives. And so I would suggest this, that actually part of our spiritual disciplines mean that we, which are good, they're not law, they're good, they're helpful for us, they bring us to a place of, of life and godliness, it's necessary for us to live. When we see in scripture it says they devoted themselves to prayer, they prayed together, they prayed individually, and so I think actually what's really helpful is if we look at our lives and say, God help me to be clear-minded and disciplined or self-controlled and put some things in place. So where are you going to start? Maybe it is morning and evening. Maybe it's three times a day. I would suggest start where you can walk and then build it up like you do for training. But if we don't start somewhere by putting something in place, it will never become a lifestyle. And so as we end this morning, that's the discipline of prayer. Takes self-control, takes focus, takes effort, you develop it as a habit, pray scripture, pray together, prayer meetings are here so that we can pray together, home groups you can pray, we have a prayer group on our WhatsApp, you can, someone else you can go and ask them to pray with you regularly, don't wait for me to tell you, all these things are there, we do it by putting actually one step in front of the next, and we start walking in a disciplined way of praying to him.
and allow that to, and, and stick with it. Don't give up. Stick with it. You know the picture this morning of the nail that comes out that some old mindsets need to change? I think some of the mindsets are that regular disciplined praying every day or multiple times a day is Old Testament law. We don't have to do that. I think that's a mindset that needs to change. Actually, if we start putting things in place, not to gain favor with God, but because we need to pray so that it becomes a lifestyle of prayer. So the moment something happens, our responses turn to God. Before something happens, turn to God. While something's happening, turn to God. Makes sense. Probably gone on too long. But hey, to build a culture of prayer requires effort, requires that we are clear-minded, self-controlled, pray every day, good things, difficult things that we face, thankful requests, petitions, everything. Why? Because it's actually all about a relationship with God. And in relationships, you communicate. And our faith is in him. Our reliance is on him. So we should pray. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word, that your word challenges, your word equips us. Lord, as we've looked generally at this issue of prayer, Father, I do pray that this morning our hearts would be transformed and there would be an something that alters in us that our response is always to come to you. Our response is to come to you humbly, confidently, in every situation, whether in need or joy. Father, where we need to make disciplined choices to put things in place, I pray that we will look in Scripture, and I thank you that your Scripture helps us work those things out. But Lord, I pray that we as a people would not be those who know that prayer is necessary or know that prayer is effective because we've read it, but we'd be people who live in that. And we'd be those who teach others to live in that place of prayer. Our families, those around us, that we would see the world transformed, that those that we meet, we would pray for and see you move. God, our focus and our faith is in you and you alone. The author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who answers prayers and the, ones for, the one for whom nothing is impossible. Lord, help us put these things in place in Jesus' name. Amen.